You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Mary Clark couldn't be here with us today, so we've got Laura Saba from Locked On Canadians, and we have a great show for you here today. We're going to talk about are Leafs fans okay? Because they don't seem very okay. And hey, the Leafs themselves, are they okay? Because they're making some weird decisions too. Uh, Sidney Crosby reaches 1,400 points in a dominant game where he was involved in all three of the Penguins' goals, including the winner. And uh, I don't know if we appreciate him enough. We don't talk about Sidney Crosby very much anymore. And also, should we change the Hart Trophy? Should we change it to make it simpler for the people who vote on it? I don't know. We'll talk about that with Laura Saba. I'm Andrew Berkshire from Game Over Montreal on the SDPN and the Montreal Gazette. And first of all, before we get into everything, uh, Mary, sorry, not Mary. I'm used to it now. <laughs> Laura, how was your weekend? It was great. I didn't do much that I can now remember. Uh, oh, I, I went to a rocket thing. game. I went to a Rocket game, Laval Rocket versus the Rochester Americans. It was a fantastic game. Place Bell is an awesome place to go see a game. Things were great. It was a fun game. It was actually, I'd been to a few games before, but it was in the Lefebvre era for anyone who follows the Montreal Canadiens and the, and the Laval Rocket. So I'd only been treated to a bunch of losses and parking is terrible. So I had a miserable time getting there. So this time I took the Metro and it was a great game. It was an old timey game. It was so fun. And I highly recommend it as Laval tries to push for the playoffs. How about yeah, you? I know, I know that uh, Laval is like on the edge there and the division's really tight, but uh it seems like they're building a pretty decent amount of momentum there, and they're going to get some reinforcements here pretty soon as well. <laughs> That's the hope, I think. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. All right. So first of all, uh, we got to talk about the Maple Leafs because, as always, they are the main character. Uh, it is unfortunate for everybody else, but sometimes it's funny. Uh, but the first thing that happened, not so funny, really. Uh, there was a kid at the Leafs Habs game in Toronto on Saturday night. And before the game, I'm from what I can read of the situation, Nick Suzuki tried to give a puck to this kid. The kid didn't catch it and it caught him in the lip and he, <laughs> it split open his lip and the kids obviously a little bit shaken up and, and crying. So Nick, the great guy that he is goes over and gives this kid a stick takes pictures with him, you know, gives him a little like side hug and everything. Nick Suzuki being Nick Suzuki. It's great. Should have ended there. But then Toronto Maple Leafs staff or MLSC staff from, I want to say the ACC, but it's it's not the ACC anymore. Scotiabank Arena came over and told the kid that they had to take the stick and kid didn't want to give up the stick. So they kicked him out of the game. <laughs> they said the stick could be seen as a weapon. And I'm sure that there's more to this story. But what's your read on it, Laura? Because this sounds completely nuts to me. It Honestly, I want to know exactly what happened. I, I would want to hear from like Scotiabank Arena officials. Because to my knowledge, this is not the first time a hockey player gives a fan a stick in the warm-ups or between periods or on his way off the ice or something. So presumably this is something that has happened at many NHL arenas before. I don't have children, so I don't know. Like I haven't had that situation. So I, I, I honestly don't know if I'm coming in with a stick, 
right? I'm sure that they'd want to take it from me and not let me bring it into the game because, you know, why would I be bringing a stick unless there's a specific signing that's happening or, you know, whatever. I get that. But the kicking him out part, like, why not say we're going to check this for you? Here's a token or ticket and come get it at Kocheck later, right? Like, that's the part I don't understand is that something is fishy here. Like, unless, like, there was some fighting going on or, like, there was some conflict going on in the stands, I don't understand why they would get kicked out. I truly, as, as a person working the arena, I'd be like, can I keep this for you? Here's where you can pick it up at the end of the game, just so that everybody around you is safe. You know, it could even be like due to your excitement, you could hit somebody by accident. I totally get that. Totally legit. So something that we're missing a very, very important piece of this story. Yeah, that's the thing. I know that people were going around after seeing this story and saying like in the Bell Center, if you're given a stick, the arena staff will come and tell you they'll keep it in the official store and you can come get it after the game. You'll get a voucher. My assumption, like, here's my assumption, and I could be wrong because, you know, I don't I wasn't there. We don't we've only had two tweets from the parent of this kid. But just as a parent of a kid in that age range ish, my guess as to what happened purely speculation is that the kid was rattled by getting his lip split by a puck and you can even see in the pictures with nick suzuki like he's still crying and then the staff came and told them that they were going to take the stick and put it somewhere so that he could get it after the game but the kid did not want to like the kid could not understand that the stick was not being taken away forever and he just like wouldn't let go of the stick and then eventually the ushers were like listen we can't let him have the stick so you got to give it up or you got to leave and the parent was like i'm just done trying to get navigate this situation and we'll just leave we'll just leave because to me there doesn't i just don't understand how the maple leafs could make that kind of decision and with I know it's before the game, but they were down at the glass, which I'm not sure what the policy is at Scotiabank Arena. But I know that in the Bell Center, you're not just allowed to willy nilly go wherever you want uh, before the game starts. You kind of have to stick into your seat range. So to be in that area, you're not dealing with the rookie ushers, right? Like those are like thousand dollar seats in Toronto. So they paid a lot of money. So I'm just I'm not I don't know how that situation could have gotten handled that badly to the point where the person got kicked out. My assumption is that the parent made that decision based on the kid, not being willing to part with the stick. But if I was the person who was in charge of the ushers, I would have said, let them keep the damn stick for 10 minutes until they calm down and get it. Yeah. And then come back and get it. Once they're calmed down, explain it to them when they're not upset like, it's not like there's a ticking time bomb on this stick. You got really until the first intermission. You know, like the kid's not going to be swinging the stick around. He was like a, it looked like a, a seven year old or something like that, or yeah, six not, year old. N- not that old. Six, seven, maybe eight, you know, based on the yeah. height. <laughs> and just, I, that, it's at the age where they can get really upset and defensive, but not at the age where they're like screwing around with the stick. Like my four year old would be screwing around with the stick all the time. <laughs> But a couple of years from now, you wouldn't be like you could sit still. Kids that age yeah. can sit still. And the worst thing that could happen is like maybe someone's view is blocked a little bit if they're right up against the glass or something. But just like convince the kid to put the stick down, you yeah. know, or hold on to the stick it, by your side. That's it. 
yeah, it just it's wild to me that they couldn't figure out a solution to this without kicking somebody out of a game where they probably paid like upwards of sixteen hundred bucks to attend. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was the thing. It's me. like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, even the cheap seats at, at Scotiabank Arena, especially now that the Leafs are good, even the, the cheap seats when they were bad were legendarily expensive. So yep. I yeah, I, I honestly that's the thing. Like there's a portion of the story that we're not getting. And, and the thing that I didn't think about is having a child be inconsolable, because in that moment you can be like you're still young enough where you just see red, right? You don't you, you can't be reasoned with for a little bit. You need to have your cry. You need to have your tantrum. I mean, I'm a lot older than that <laughs> at 30 years and I can still be inconsolable sometimes. I totally get it. But uh, that's just, it's not the way that it would have been handled. And John Lou of TSN tweeted on Monday morning that the Canadians are aware of this and are handling it. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen. But, you know, uh, I, I think the Canadians definitely are a classy organization and they're definitely going to address it in some way that's going to make the kid feel special. Yeah, it's... That's the thing. I'm, I'm sure, like, I was talking to a couple people last night, and they were saying, like, oh, well, if if it was just a misunderstanding or, like, the kid couldn't be consoled, why would they tweet it out like this? Why would they take it to social media? Like, I don't want to be disparaging of the parent, but also, like, they lost out on a huge game with their kid. Maybe they're trying to see if the Canadians can make it right, you know? And I don't really blame them for that especially in in this economy <laughs> like, yeah you got your nick suzuki stick but i'd also want to have the experience of being at the game and that they were kind of robbed of that uh there is a small update to this the uh director of guest services for mlse has reached out to them uh to, to chat either in dms or by email so that's a good thing i'm assuming that the canadians have as well but I'm, I'm guessing by the end of this, the kid's going to be pretty damn happy. <laughs> the end of the story <laughs> is not being kicked out of the Leafs-Habs game. He's going to get a lot of swag for this at the very least. Maybe another game or two, but or very strange situation. Oh, yeah, probably a meet and greet with <laughs> Nick Suzuki. That'd be great. Or like a, a double hug from Caulfield and Suzuki. There you go. Right? Best thing ever. <laughs> now but, I wish I had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Leverage them for, for things from the Canadians. But uh, outside of that, uh, there was the actual game where Matthews scored 50 and 50, and then he scored 51 and 50. And it seems like on either side of Canadians and Leafs fans right now, there's like this group of insane people where I don't understand why they're acting so angry because this is not a game that had many, many implications. This is just a fun game, and it was a really good game, a tight game. And it seems like Can there's a group of Canadians fans that don't want to recognize that Matthew scored 50 and 50, which like, sorry, it's he just did. math. He, he did. did. He, <laughs> he did. scored 50 goals in 50 games. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it was from the beginning of the season or not. And then there's like the Leafs fans that are like, well, Caulfield's not even good. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've been saying that since day one and it's clearly not true. But here's what I'm going to say, though. I am a Montreal Canadiens fan. And as you know, if you like have encountered me at any point, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, currently my favorite Montreal Canadiens, I cannot gush enough about Cole Caulfield. And I cannot be defensive enough about Cole Caulfield when it comes to Leafs fans criticizing him. Like every time he does something, I, I have to actively resist the urge to be smug about it. Right. But at the same time. Austin Matthews is a generational player. I yep. don't think that you can dispute that. And you cannot say 
for any kind of certainty that Cole Caulfield will one day be better than him. He might have seasons in the future where he'll score more than Austin Matthews. That's entirely possible. That's not something that I'm putting a lot of money on because Austin Matthews right now is playing at his best hockey, right? He's This is a phenomenal year for him. He's breaking Maple Leafs records, setting Maple Leafs records. This is a player that right now is 100% on his game. And as much as I don't like him personally for whatever, yeah, I, I don't, you know what I mean? I, I, I like Mitch Marner, for example, as a person uh, based on the on the, on the the 24-7 Leafs uh, uh, documentary they had on Prime Video. It wasn't 24-7. It was something else. Whatever it was. You, you, know, you know the documentary. The Leafs all about. or nothing, I think is what it was that, called. That's the one, right. Turned so out it was I, nothing. It, it was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was, well, it was a whole bunch of sound and fury signifying nothing. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I find Mitch Marner a more likable player. I find Willie Nylander, Nylander a more interesting, engaging, enjoyable player. But Austin Matthews' talent cannot be denied. And I think as Habs fans, we need to stop being embarrassing about it. Because... I like I don't understand what is wrong with just enjoying what we have. I mean, Nick Suzuki has had a string of quote unquote bad games in the last four or five, and he's still playing phenomenally. Like Nick Suzuki having a bad game is still Nick Suzuki playing better than most of the people on the ice, right? I like why can't we just enjoy that? Cole Caulfield is refining his game after a struggle at the first half of the season. Why can't we just enjoy that? You know. Why do we have to make it about Austin Matthews? Why do we have to say that him scoring 51 goals in 50 games is not a major accomplishment? I I don't think that that's I don't think it's 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 necessarily uh, linked at all in any way. It just happens to be that goal 50 and 51 came against the Habs, right? That's part of it. You can say that Austin Matthews is a player that you don't like that is a good player, and that's where I'm at right now. I don't like him, but I can't deny that he's a phenomenal player. No, he's he's fantastic and one of the most entertaining players in the league to watch, in my opinion, just because of his like strength and puck skills. It's it's a combo that like nobody else has, and maybe nobody else ever has had. It, I, maybe the closest comparable is Mario in terms of just raw uh, tools, but it, it's just incredible. He's incredible, and the fact that he did it against the Habs, scoring twice in one game, is is cool for the Maple Leafs and. You know, cool for Austin Matthews. Finally, he scored two goals against the Canadians. It wasn't in a game that mattered, but hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, and the last thing that we have about the Leafs is, uh, I don't know if you saw, but there was a few people on Leafs Twitter who were losing their minds that young prospect Matthew Nyes is headed back to college. And I find this incredibly funny that there's this disconnect on among Leafs fans where they think that they're like the best team in the league, right? And which is fair. They're a great team. And they can weather injuries and they can still be great and be expected to win the Stanley Cup. But then they lose their minds if some like 19-year-old college kid doesn't sign with them yet. <laughs> what is this coming from? You think he's gonna be the difference between winning a round and not? <laughs> Like, How is he even kids... going to crack the lineup? That's my question, is that if you're this kid and you're looking at the stacked lineup that is crowded already, and you're like, I want to play with this team, you're not going to sign this year. You're going to sign when they have holes in their lineup. You're going to go back to university. You're going to keep working on your game. A lot of players have done it. A lot of players, like, don't question, don't get questioned when they do that, you know? And it's not like he said... 
I'm turning my back on the Maple Leafs and I want to become a free agent when, when my rights are up. He literally just wanted to go back to school for at least one year. I don't think it's the end of the world. And honestly, like, I don't blame any players for making decisions like that when you've got a lineup that's so crowded that you don't even think you're going to crack it. Maybe he doesn't want to play for the Toronto Marlies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like, you have to let these kids also value their education. I know that uh, one of the angry tweets was saying, like, oh, he's in philosophy. Well, so what? <laughs> There's mean, other things that you can learn in university that aren't necessarily your actual degree. You can switch your degrees. Having a backup plan helps. And I, I think with the way that we've seen injuries throughout our lives, Laura, derail players' lives, derail their careers, having some semblance of education sounds like a good idea for most players. Right, exactly. Especially since we live in a society, whether it's artificial or not, they do value having that degree, no matter what it's in, more than people who don't. It's unfortunate, and it might not be an accurate reflection of somebody's value, but that's definitely something that that is part of our society right now. So why blame him, right? Especially since, you know, he might want to go back to school after his career is over. Like he, you know, he doesn't want to make it a waste of time. So you collect a bunch of credits so that when you go back to school, it's worth something. And you don't necessarily have to finish school. I mean, that's not necessarily, you know, a requirement. But I don't think that it's fair to criticize a player who's so young that he's still raw. And that's the thing, too, is that he's going to be inserted into a lineup that is already a well-oiled machine gearing towards a playoff run, Right. You're going to be the disruptor. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy that's getting no minutes. You don't want to be that guy that's making the mistakes. I mean, the Canadians right now can afford to play all their college players because they can make as many mistakes as they want. The season is over. There's no point to winning games, really. There's only a point to trying to win games and throwing players in there, forcing them into situations where they will grow. Like this player can't come in and grow in a Stanley Cup playoff run. Right. And that's just it's just the reality of the situation. He's not going to get anything out of being on the Toronto Maple Leafs other than probably the salary. That's literally it. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. We've talked enough about the Maple Leafs, so we're going to move on and we're going to talk about Sidney Crosby. But first, I got to tell you about Built Bar. This is the time of year where I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. Thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy, cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. These are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, yes, Puffs included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, replace your candy bars with these. They're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart and you'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high carb or high fiber, sorry, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. I think if they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how. 
but they pull it off every time. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection for every pair. Lost protection. I've never heard of that before. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't like them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com and use use the code LOCKEDON to get 50% off of two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON. For the best deal of the season, 50% off for two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses, backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. I don't know about you, Laura. That uh, sounds like a pretty decent deal <laughs> overall. <laughs> sunglasses are pretty expensive nowadays. It's All right, true, so let's and talk- they, they do ship everywhere. That's the other thing, too. Yeah, yeah, a lot of those companies are just USA, or they charge you more than you're buying in shipping so nice to see everywhere represented um Sidney crosby <laughs> game against the predators and he scores the first goal he assists on the tying goal and then in overtime Sidney crosby comes up again big and he scores it again he's on pace over an 82 game season for 101 points started the season injured i believe he had surgery in the offseason he's he started slow after that surgery, but he's been on fire lately. He leads the Penguins by all of the analytics uh, in terms of like war or goals above replacement or expected goals above replacement. He is, again, their MVP. And the team has turned around since he came back from injury. Like it's night and day. They were about 500 without him, which is without him and Malkin, which was actually incredible and why Mike <laughs> Sullivan should be up for the Jack Adams. But He's come back. They're a killer again. And the Penguins are underratedly one of the best teams in the league in terms of controlling play. Are we forgetting about Sidney Crosby? I know that there's a a great reason to be hyping up Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. But is Sidney Crosby not getting the respect he deserves anymore? I think we have kind of forgotten to talk about him, which I don't think is necessarily unfair because for many years he was it, right? He was the only one we could talk about. And now this year, there are so many other storylines with other star players, even including like Jack Eichel's words against Buffalo and all of that. There's so many things to talk about. There's so many people to talk about. And there's so many players that are like, they're getting deserved attention, like Kale McCarr this year, you know, that's another person that you want to talk about. Or Roman Yossi, people talking about how even this year he's going a little bit underrated. I think it's easy to forget about Sidney Crosby because he's clearly on the tail end of his career. Doesn't necessarily translate on the ice that much he, he still plays like a player that's better than most of the people on the ice most nights he's the best player on the ice no matter what even though he's basically you know he's younger than we are but <laughs> i'm not even gonna say it but yeah he's 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 on the declining side of his career but we have forgotten about him and and the reason that i say this is simply because he has not been in the conversation while he's quietly turned the penguins around you know and uh, I just, I want to think about 
Imagine injuries and lockout did not derail his career. Just imagine what his stats would look like. It's heartbreaking to think of how his injuries have been mismanaged because he could have been on the ice doing even more. And I know he's definitely the kind of really competitive guy. That's probably something that does matter to him a little bit. But at the end of the day, he shows no signs of stopping. And the Penguins are a perennial threat. And the thing that I like... The, the very thing that you said, you know, without Malkin, without without Sidney Crosby, they were 500 team. It's like the Penguins can just do anything with some guy, right? Like they have like Chris Letang, one of Crosby, Malkin, or none of them. And then like Jake Gensel, and then like a bunch of some guy. And then some guy, for whatever reason, puts up like 40, 50 points. I hate yep. that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's a testament to great coaching. It's a testament to good drafting or developing, whichever one it is. Or maybe just even having an eye for a player that... That is more than he seems. But in terms of Sidney Crosby, I do think that we don't talk about him enough this season. And but at the same time, it's not like, you know, Austin Matthews or or Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, like all these people, the hype around them isn't deserved. It's just that he's flown under the radar for whatever reason. I think because people like to count out the penguins until it's too late. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, Mary had uh, the Penguins missing the playoffs in our season preview. <laughs> that's okay. Maybe... Carolina missing the playoffs. What? Yes. Laura. I mean, I, I actually ended up agreeing with Mary because she convinced me, but uh, we we wrote off Mike Sullivan. It was uh, not the wisest choice. But I mean, I also had uh, the New York Islanders winning the cup this year. So not great predictions over. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. So Sidney Crosby right now at 1,400 points is 22nd overall in the history of the league in point production. Right above him with 1,403 is Alex Ovechkin. But Ovechkin's played 167 more games. So it's weirdly clean. Sidney Crosby has played exactly 1,100 games and has 1,400 points. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm I, As somebody who is one of those people who overvalues the like symmetry of numbers and like flat numbers, even numbers. That's really great. But I wonder now Crosby is 34. He's about six months younger than I am. How many seasons do you think he plays in the NHL? Like how many seasons does he have left and how far up the board could he move? Because he's missed almost, I think 200 games in his career due to injuries and then you add in like lockout stuff it's even more another half season almost so if in those games because they're mostly in his prime like i think you could chair like not even be charitable and say crosby would probably have another like 200 250 points yeah that would sure. bring him already into the top 10 that would put him in joe Sackick range so how That's far incredible. up yeah i know like that's it'd be right below Mario Lemieux, who to be fair did it in 915 games, but it was a different era in terms of scoring. No, like we've got this. Weird there were no goaltenders back then. This is true. I mean, same with uh, same with Gretzky. Not to take anything away from them, like they would be great this year too, but uh, they had uh, an advantage, we'll say, in terms of scoring. So Sidney Crosby is signed for three more years mm-hmm. after this one. I'm guessing he continues to play after that because that would only take him to age 37. That's really Probably funny. Probably stays because... with the Penguins. <laughs> 
That's really funny because I thought he would end at 37. I didn't realize he was signed for three more years. I thought it was one more year. And then I was like, oh, you'll do another two year. Uh, I, I definitely think that he's going to finish out that contract. I, you know what? I see him coming back because I feel like, you know, you're talking about somebody who likes the symmetry of numbers and those whole, whole numbers and stuff. He definitely seems like that as well. He's definitely superstitious about numbers. He likes things like that. He likes things to to add up to to certain things. And so I feel like if at the end of, the, of that year where he's 37 years old, he'll come back if there's a chance that the Penguins could push for another cup the next year, or if he's close to breaking another record or going up in, in, in you know, moving up in the, in the standings, I think he'll come back. But otherwise, I feel like he takes care of himself in such a way that he could play until 40. But yeah. I also feel like he he's the kind of player who's not going to want to play unless he can be elite. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. It is kind of like uh, like Patrick Waugh, right? Where you look at his last season in the NHL and it's it's like really strong overall relative to the field. And then he kind of had a really rough playoffs. I was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if like, I can't I, be the I'm, best, I don't want to be it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not at my best anymore. I'm just out of here. And I, I feel like that was a pretty surprise retirement. I believe Waugh was 37. I could be wrong there. But uh that was a, like a surprising retirement at the time. I could see Sidney Crosby doing that too. And it being a bit of a surprise. Uh, I don't think he's the kind of guy who would say like, I'm retiring at the end of the year, like uh, the Sedines and have like the big long farewell tour. He might do it out of like uh loyalty to the fans kind of thing. That could be something, but I feel like he himself doesn't want that attention. Nope. You know what I mean? But I, I find it crazy to see how close he is to, truly cracking the top 10 he would need 1591 points to pass phil esposito so he would need to get 191 more points i feel like he's got three more seasons gets that. yeah three more seasons. three more seasons yeah he's assuming no injury oh he's okay he's 17 seasons into his career he's averaged a point per game all of them wow like even even over yeah. a point per game He's never yeah, he, been he can below a point per game. He can yeah. do it. Three seasons? Yeah, for sure. Like, even if he plays 60 games a year, we can basically bank on him getting 180 points. Yeah. And then he needs just 11 more beyond that. It's a couple more three three goal games like like yesterday's or three point yeah, exactly. games. exactly. <laughs> All he like, needs it's, is it's another It's wild you know. to think. Like, he could miss so much time, play in a relatively low scoring era, I know that scoring is going up right now, but most of his career was played in a, a relatively low scoring era and cracked the top 10. I feel like at the end of his career, we're going to have actual difficulty placing where Crosby fits in the grand scheme of like NHL history, because I think most people at this point are going to look at Connor McDavid and say his prime is better than Crosby's is. But Crosby at the end of the day is going to have so many career accolades that he he's basically forced himself into the conversation with the Gretzkys, the Yagers, the Messiers, the Lemuse. Like he's in that tier. So yeah, it's like, do sure. we just expand that tier to include more players or we don't bump players down? Well, I think you kind of have to expand it because there's always going to be an asterisk asterisk with players of this era because there's so many things like, you know, your lockouts and things like that. I do think with Sidney Crosby, like all you have to do is just think about how long it took for there to be a next one after Sidney Crosby. Yeah. 
that's that's when I look at like if I'm trying to look at a player whether he's generational or generational or not how long did it take for another person to enter that conversation because even though we talk about Alex Ovechkin so much we don't talk about him in the same way Alex Ovechkin is an offensive goal scoring player he is a an like he's a superstar at the one thing he does where Sidney Crosby does a whole lot more than that and it's an unfortunate conversation because people are always going to get mad when I say something like this. Like, there's always going to be arguments about this. And at the end of the day, he's going to score more goals probably. But in terms of points and contributions to his team, Sidney Crosby. I mean, I I think that it's by, like, far and away, he was the best player for, like, what, a 10-year period? How yeah. long, right? Like... Yeah, it's like from the moment he entered the NHL, you could argue he was already the best player in the league until McDavid. And yeah. even McDavid took a few years to actually get to Crosby's level. Yeah, there were questions about McDavid. Is he ever going to get that far? And yeah, his prime is amazing. It's so fun to watch. But Sidney Crosby was the only one in that conversation for a very long time, even when he was out. Yeah, it's it's wild. <laughs> All right, uh, we're done with Sidney Crosby. We're going to talk about uh, it's kind of we're all leading into this same thing, talking about Matthews, talking about Crosby. We're talking about the Hart Trophy. It's the conversation that dominates pretty much every year around this time of year. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But first, I got to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league news, and reviews, including this year's playoff or basketball playoffs and the start of the MLB. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so every year, uh, Laura, we talk about the Hart Trophy and you see writers from across the NHL complaining, always complaining about, oh, you know, is it most valuable? Is it just best player? Here's where I come down on it. And I don't know where how yours is because we I don't think we've talked about this before, you and I, but we already have a best player award. It's called the Ted Lindsay, Ted Lindsay Award. And every time I say that, I get NHL writers saying, yeah, well, we don't get to vote for it. Who cares? <laughs> NHL writers don't get to vote for the Vesna either. The GMs wow. do. Does that mean we need a separate goalie award? It, it all comes down to like how self-centered are you that you believe you're the one who should choose best player, even though the players already choose it. You've got a different award. <laughs> Just vote for that. <laughs> I made a gesture off the screen because I didn't want to get fired. Um, and I think everybody listening and watching can guess what that gesture was. Uh, nobody cares. Okay. Nobody cares. And the thing with the, with, with the Ted Lindsay award is that it's there for a reason. And that's why there's a different award for player most valuable to his team. You might not be the best player in the NHL and that's fine. You might not be, but the way that I always look at that award is if you took this player out of the lineup, how would the team fare? That's to me, that's what valuable means, right? Like you can have two players that get like a hundred, 120 points in a year, you know, in, 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 in another era, um, you could get those players, but like that team doesn't make the playoffs. Like should they even be in the conversation? They can be the best player, but were they the most valuable to their team? 
Not really, because the team sucked with and without them, right? That's that's the way that I look at it. Is that like, you know, and that's why goalies so rarely win it because it's usually somebody else carrying the team. But if you look at the Canadians, they've got two hard trophy winners that were goalies in the last couple like couple of decades, right? And there's a reason for that. It's because if you removed Carey Price from that season, the team wouldn't be that good. And it, it it's yep. the same thing with Roman Yosi. Like people are really neglecting him in this conversation because they want to talk about whether he should be in the Norris conversation or not. Take him out of the Nashville Predators lineup. Where would they be right now? Certainly not counting points challenging for a playoff spot. No. And I think the whole playoffs thing is super interesting because I think there's on the one side, you have a lot of analytics people who are like value added is value added. And this person who was elite, you know, if if they didn't make the playoffs, it's not their fault. And it's like, yeah, no one's saying it's their fault that they didn't make the playoffs. They needed to be better for that team to make the playoffs. But to me, and I'm in line with you with this, is if you make the playoffs, that value is worth more, right? So if somebody has, like, if Connor McDavid last season the the Oilers didn't make the playoffs. He'd still get all my heart votes because he did something that was basically unprecedented in terms of his offensive production. It's the kind of season that we haven't seen since legitimately Mario Lemieux. So nobody else was even close to him. He blew the field out of the water. So then he still gets my heart votes, even if the Oilers missed the playoffs. But if there are two players that are really close, I'm going with the one whose team made the playoffs. Right. And that's, that's the like thing. the it's differentiator. Like, exactly. And I feel like with the with the MVP vote, a lot of times, I don't want to call it laziness. I want to call it a lack of depth in terms of the analysis. Because if you want to remove the player from a lineup and see how they'd fare, you'd have to have a really good understanding of stats and, and the way that with or without you works. And I, I don't know what it's called now. I always just call it wowie. But you know what I mean, right? You'd have yep. to have that understanding of really, truly, what is the player bringing to this team other than the goals that they're scoring or the assists that they're scoring or the saves that they're making. It's like there is definitely a logic and a reasoning to be had and to be made. And that takes time, takes depth, it takes understanding. And that's why it's hard to decide. And so that's why it's like, well, it should just be the best player because that's just easier to tell objectively. And I don't think that that's, you know, like these kinds of things, the reason so many people get a vote and the reason why so many of these awards have like staggered voting or whatever you call it, the, when you rank ranked voting is, is it like you you rank from one to five or whatever? The reason is, is because it's not supposed to be objective. It's supposed to be subjective that there is a reason why you get a vote. Otherwise they just take the top point getter, but there's already an award for that too. (laughs) So you know what I mean? Like, I just, I find that you need to have a little bit more critical thinking. Even though it's hockey, it's not that deep. If you want to vote for an award, you need to be able to think critically. And a lot of people just want to make it easier for them to not have to do that. Yeah. And I hate that the argument like, oh, it's hard to do. It should be hard. Like you're you're giving out an award to most valuable player in the league. If it takes you a couple of weeks to come up with a name or the like your list and you have to do research about it, good. That's like part of the job. You have a privilege to vote for this award. There's only a handful of people who cover this sport who actually get the privilege to vote. Like, take it seriously. And I think most people do. Most people. And that's why they kind of complain that it's hard. Because it it is hard to divine value. And like we've talked before about how like, how does it factor in when somebody else is putting up the same numbers? Like Dreisaitl is putting up just as much in terms of point production as McDavid is not quite the same, but still close. 
to me, that doesn't really matter. Like the point production part, it's what you mentioned. How good is the team without you versus with you? McDavid is the one carrying the bag in Edmonton, and he always has been. Uh, the Dreisaitl heart was kind of a weird one just based on him scoring a bunch, which is great and adds value, but he also gets scored on a bunch. What I wonder is, like, how do you remove, like, a line, right? Like, Gaudreau, he's a guy who's consistently mentioned right now as up for the heart. But when you look at his whole line in terms of, like, how much they're adding, it's almost equal between him, Lindholm, and Kachuk. In terms of like all the analytical models show them as like all of them are adding about the same amount to the line. How do you separate that? You know, like there's that's the toughest part is line mates and usage. But that's where you have to actually dig into it. And you don't have to vote the same way as everyone else does. I think there's so many writers out there now who fear because the ballots are disclosed having a contrary opinion. But you're allowed. I think the main thing that writers are afraid of is something like what happened when Jose Theodore won the Hart trophy and being exposed as the one writer in Montreal who didn't put a Ginla on their ballot at all. And Theodore won it by like the value of one vote. Yeah. Yes. And, if you're going to do that thing. kind of shit, you should be afraid. <laughs> exactly. But that's exactly what disclosing the ballots is supposed to prevent, right? You're supposed to vote like subjectively, but not cheat the system. And that's exactly what happened in that scenario. Whereas like for me, like the Gaudreau Kachuk line, like that whole line contributes. Yes, it might be Gaudreau scoring the goals at the end of the day or the one with the most points at the end of the day, but they're contributing as a line. So to me, I don't think as much as he's having a wonderful season and I love all of those players. Actually, I don't know if I if I care much for all of them, but I would love them on my team. Uh, how about that? Yes. I'll say I would love them on my team. But I wouldn't consider him in the conversation simply because he's not one person. He's not doing it by himself. And that's a big thing is that if you're doing it by committee, it's by definition, you can't be the most valuable player. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. We're going to wrap that segment there and we're going to talk about our pop culture roulette segment with Laura because uh, she's got to do a meeting really quickly. So this is going to be really fast. <laughs> but first, I got to tell you about rock auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible to, f- for your local auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using rock auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even hundred percent more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when you can use rock auto instead. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, which means they care about you. You're a customer that they want. They're not a nameless, faceless corporation owned by some group of investors that are cutting salaries. You know, all the evil stuff in the world. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, Laura. So I watched one new thing in the last week. Uh, it was basically while I was doing work in the evenings. Uh, my wife, Kish, started watching a new Netflix series called Is It Cake? And <laughs> I had heard about this series before, and I like the idea of the like hyper-realistic cakes and trying to guess what's real and what's not real. But I swear to God... 
there is a prerequisite on all of these reality TV show cooking competitions for the host to be the most annoying, unfunny <laughs> loser. It's like, just act super zany and say stupid stuff. And everyone's there. Everyone there is like told to laugh anyway. So like everybody laughs. Like you just say something that's completely unfunny and everyone's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. it's like, what? Why are we? Why are we laughing? I, I don't understand why everybody's laughing. Just why? Why can't we just have a host that isn't stupid? I don't get it. <laughs> I feel like there's it depends on, on the on the show, honestly, but uh, like is it cake the premise i haven't watched it yet but i'm looking forward to watching it like shows like that like nailed it is it cake things like that i reserve for when i'm having like a depression episode and then i can just you know like sink my teeth into it and just watch like a whole bunch of episodes of it and kind of hope to like feel a little bit better but i definitely do feel that like the personality of the host has the potential to kind of ruin the viewing experience even if the concept 100%. is great and that's why i'm like i'm kind of a little bit ambivalent about this one because as a concept uh, like i was all over those memes those is it cake memes all over like this is obviously where it was born right like this show the, yes. the show idea was born it's fascinating and and as somebody who loves the idea of cakes that or things that aren't like, you know, like something that looks like a bowl of spaghetti that turns out to be a cake or things like that, where it, like it really does look like something else. Like I love that talent involved and the intricacy and the patience because I definitely cannot do that. But I think the host definitely needs to be somebody who can either blend into the background or is legitimately funny and engaging and entertaining. And that's really hard to do. Like when you're trading on your personality, you need to have a good one. And not everybody does. It's, it's just the reality of the situation. And I'm glad you brought up Nailed It because Nicole, Nicole Byer is the host of that show. And she's like the only one who's actually funny. She's so the host good. Of these shows. She's, she's good. hilarious. Yes, exactly. Because that's a show that like the after a couple episodes, I find the premise is a little bit tired, but she's good. So she keeps it fresh. Exactly. And, and that's the thing is like if you can't be that funny, engaging person, it's fine if it's just exposition, right? It's fine if you just... If you just, you know, if you, like, like Maya Bialik hosting Jeopardy, right? She doesn't really add all that much, but she's a perfectly cromulent host. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, is it my turn? All right. Yeah. Yes. Your turn. Go. We'll go quickly so you can get out of here. Yes. Okay. So I watched Fresh. It's on Disney Plus in the States. I believe it's on, sorry, uh, in, in Canada. It's, I believe it's on Hulu in the US. You can yell at me if that's wrong. It is a movie. If you liked Get Out you will love fresh. So it's it's a comedy horror movie. And if you're squeamish, I would say avoid it. There's really like only a couple of gross parts. The rest of it is really, it's, it's dark, it's dark humor, but I absolutely loved it. And if you have ever dated, um, I think, uh, I think that's definitely something that you're going to find relevant. Uh, like somebody described it as get out is to white liberals as fresh is to men. Uh, or straight men. So it's definitely it's a comedy horror about dating. And I really, really liked it. I don't want to say too much about it, because I do find that the viewing experience is even more enhanced. If you know, going into it, you don't know a whole bunch of stuff. But I will say if you're squeamish, avoid. Okay, is this the one with Sebastian Stan? Yes. Okay, I've, I've heard about this movie, but uh, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. All right. Thanks, uh, Laura, for helping me host here today. And Laura's going to be back on our Friday episode as well, which we'll record on Thursday. And thanks for making Cross the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, but now make your second listen. Locked on Fantasy Hockey. 
Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.